Welcome to another episode of the Open Pantry Podcast. This being the final installment in Refocus Week, which I hope you've sincerely enjoyed and really got some value out of. Today's guest is the founder and managing director of Now Book It, which is an online reservation system which has grown to be the largest reservation and gift card platform in the country and is used by Fyodor, Mavida, Catalina, Coda and Tonka, some of the amazing restaurants in Australia, and has over 3,000 venues in six countries on their books. As we've talked a lot about tech this week and how venues need to align their tech with their outcomes, uh, this is fantastic to have Craig Joel, who is the founder and managing director of Now Book It on the show. Hey, Craig, how are you? Yeah, good, Sean. Thanks for having me, mate. Uh, my, my pleasure. And I'm happy that um, we finally got there after me not doing two good intros there. So... <laughs> Um, so Craig, let's, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about how you founded this amazing brand and, and maybe how you started out in your career just before that. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, well, it's been a long career actually. Well, when I say that, not in IT, but specifically Mm -hmm. in Hospo. Um, I started my career as a bus boy. So basically um, (laughs) at what is now Crown Resort in Perth. Yes. Um, a place called Genting Resorts. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a Malaysian company that opened casinos and they, um, yeah, it was a good company. I worked there for about four years. I did a hospitality management course or started that while I was there mm-hmm. um, and sort of worked my way up into beverage, food and beverage managers um, and worked in banquets and did all different facets of, of hospo. And, and so at a young age sort of really got the acumen behind me to what I thought to run a a restaurant or manage a restaurant. Yes. Um, I pretty much then went traveling, actually. I, I, at a young age, I, I jumped on a plane. Um, I lived and worked in in the US, in the Hamptons, mm-hmm. um, and ran some restaurants and, and bars there. Wow. Um, and also in Italy, in the winter. So I was sort of doing this summer-winter thing where I'd be skiing and running a hotel with Italian <laughs> family that I, I love and cherish and still visit. Yes. Um, in the Italian Alps. And then in the summertime, I would hit the Hamptons and, um, and work really hard for, for six months. Um, and the, the, the money there was ridiculous. So that yeah, yeah. enabled me at the age of 24 to buy a restaurant. I thought I was ready. So right. I came back to Perth yes. <laughs> and um, found out pretty quickly that the one thing I was lacking was business acumen, right. um, which was pretty important, obviously. Yes. So there was myself and, and a partner and, um, and we built this venue up and you know, we, we learned some pretty hard lessons. We lost quite a bit of money in the first mm. month or two. Mm-hmm. But um, we were really fortunate. We were young, you know, 24. We, we had a pretty good following, local following anyway. Yes. But we had still had mates in the US. And I think one of the things, we were at sort of a cafe on one side of the business and a, and a restaurant on the other. Mm-hmm. And um, we were really fortunate in that and still had some friends in the US who were sending me uh, cassette tapes of MTV, which was, was not in Australia. At the oh, time. isn't that awesome? So think about that time. We, uh, we chucked up a couple of TVs and some video players and stuck these cassettes in all day and people would just sit there going, oh my God, and then, you know, <laughs> having a few drinks. And, um, and then shortly after that, there was a, we had this huge space upstairs that we struggled to rent. So mm-hmm. we ended up getting a modeling agency in there and that you know, then they had all these castings and we'd have all these beautiful people sitting at a venue downstairs. Yeah, sounds awful. So we actually ended up, you know, being touched on the uh, on the proverbial, um, which was, you know, pretty fortunate because otherwise we, I think we would have uh, we would have done our dough. But mm. we ended up selling it 
after three years, the government decided to put a very large tunnel. I'm not sure if you've been to Perth, mate, but there's I have. I've lived a in Perth. Called the, yes. the uh, Graham Farmer Freeway, and it <laughs> okay. went literally through my back door. So <laughs> they announced it, and we um, we were really fortunate. We sold the property to a, a fish purveyor who wanted to turn it into a fish restaurant and use it as a tax write-off, but they yeah, ended right. up shutting after six months buying from us. Wow. It's a bit of a bummer. Yes. So then I, I, I went back and did a bit more consultancy in the US, um, came back to Australia, uh, started working for a company called uh, called Entertainment, the Entertainment mm-hmm. Guide, mm-hmm. and I pretty much, much ran the restaurant content of over 10,000 venues across Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa for that business. Wow. And I worked for them for, for quite a long time. Mm. Um, I sat on the board of the um, Catering Association in WA and then became the president shortly after that. Yes. Ran that for about 10 years. Yeah. And then, um, and during that time is sort of where I started getting the ideas of now book it. You mm-hmm. know, I'd be constantly talking to restaurants. I'd sit on panels and every time before I got up on a panel and, you know, a forum and, and had these discussions, I'd sit with a group of restaurant mates and go, you know, what's your pain points now? And, mm-hmm. and I just kept hearing this resounding same, same uh, bits and pieces. And it was yep. pretty much, People saying that obviously staff was always an issue and been an issue for four decades. But the next biggest thing was online reservations just were becoming more and more expensive. And a few people started to realise that what was happening on the other end of that was not really cool. There was a lot of very um, dubious actions that were going on in the industry. So yeah. I got a group of mates in a room, restaurant mates from Perth. Um, we had multiple sort of small meetings, wrote down what we thought would be good. We flew some managers into Perth, uh, sorry, into Sydney to mm-hmm. meet a development team, mm-hmm. um, as well as got some managers from restaurants in Sydney, got mm-hmm. them in a room, got a whiteboard out, pizza, a bit of red wine, whiteboard, and just started writing shit down. And yep. um, probably, I reckon, within six to eight months, we had a product. We stuck an MVP into um, into the Shaw House, which is a thousand cover a day restaurant in yes. Perth. Yep. And that was a big testing ground for us. So the owner of that was heavily involved in, you know, helping us, um, you know, work out what was right, what was wrong. He mm-hmm. let me fly his managers to Sydney to talk to our dev team. So we were really fortunate in that. In that. And I, I always believe that if we we're going to do something like this, you've got to have your customers help you build it. Yeah, 100%. Um, there's no point in building something and then going looking for customers. I'm always a big believer of get your customers, find out what they want, mm. build it with them, and then go through that process. And that's exactly what we did. So... We got a really good following really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some really large corporate um, billion-dollar companies breathing down our neck. Um, some pretty unsavory things were going down. Right. Trying to stop us getting up and running. But we launched Perth, and the idea of that was to sort of do it in stealth and then go to other markets. We went okay. to Adelaide, um, Sydney, Gold Coast, uh, and then just grew from there. And then you know, I would say in the last... Well, every year for the last three, four years, we've, we've doubled in size. Yeah, um, wow. Every year, year on year. So yeah. it's been a really incredible journey. I mean, it's been a tough journey as well, mm. but it's been uh, it's been pretty rewarding from a from a personal aspect. Yes. Getting, we've got some great people working for us. Yeah, I bet. Um, I used to live in Perth for six months. So oh, I'm uh, about six years ago, and I'm I'm actually where was your where was the restaurant that you opened? What suburb were you? So in? it's a place called Swanbourne Beach, which is just just north of Cottesloe Beach, like literally oh, right, cool. a kilometre north. Fantastic, that's awesome. I can picture it now because yeah, Cottesloe and Scarborough are two of the beaches I used to go to all the time. So um, uh, yeah, it used to be a fantastic thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Do you think I, I'm really embarrassed to say, Craig, that you're my first Perth guest after doing over a hundred episodes? Um, I feel like <laughs> it appears like I haven't cared about Perth, which is <laughs> not yeah. not the case um, at all. No one much does, though, mate. So <laughs> <not all. laughs> um, do you think, though, in you know, you don't hear from many tech startups in Perth, right? Like, do do you think there's like, actually quite a few? You'd be you'd be surprised. Really? Actually, we were talking about trying to get a little um, a little group together. A yes. Um, organised sort of breakfast meeting because there's quite a few of us. That mm. started up some pretty successful startups. Um, not so many in Hospo. Yes. There's two. There's another one called Ebev, which is an yep. excellent product. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, where you can go online as a restaurateur and order all your stock and it gets delivered from all the different people instead of having to put in an order yeah. guy from you know, this particular guy and that guy. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's been really successful. Mm. Um, and yeah, there's a, there's a few others that are that have done pretty well, but mm. um, I, I would say those guys and ourselves are probably the largest in hospital that have come out of the market. Yes. Um, so I'm interested to know in that is, do you think there's been a benefit in you launching from Perth and, and probably doing the opposite to what a East Coast brand would do? Because normally you would hear brands in your space, you know, be brought up in Melbourne or Sydney. They would then yeah. expand to either the other, the other city first, then they yeah. would go to Brisbane then they would go to maybe Adelaide or Perth, depending on where they where they felt it was going to launch. But you've gone, you know, uh, the probably second or third smallest market, and then you've gone to Adelaide, which is my hometown, which is the smallest market in Australia, and then yeah. and then you've gone east coast. Like, do you think that's benefited you guys in how you've been able to work out that proper, you know, MVP and and work out how to, um, you know, the nuts and bolts of really making our book it like a formidable, you know, player in this space? Massively. It yeah. was a strategic decision. It, wa- yeah. it wasn't done um, for any other reason than strategically. Mm. It's, um, there's some, uh, there's quite a few user cases of it. It's not, you know, we're not, we weren't the first. I didn't invent, <laughs> invent that strategic decision. Yes. Um, if you look at Huawei, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the phone company, Huawei. Yes, Chinese of course. company. Mm-hmm. It's the third biggest phone company in the world. Mm. And, um, all of a sudden, they became the third biggest and no one even knew. Like, there's Apple and Samsung, obviously, at the top of that list. Yes. But they went to Africa. They went yes. to these, uh, they went to India. They went to all of these, um, the, the Emirates. You know, they went through markets that Apple and Samsung just didn't want to bother with. Mm. And mm-hmm. that strategically let them down. Yes. And now they're the third biggest and, you know, again, multi-billion dollar company that's giving them a run for their money for product. So... We use the same sort of strategy mm-hmm. in Western Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, we we went to Sydney with only one person. In fact, Melbourne was the last market we went to. Yeah, right. Yeah, we went to New Zealand before we went to um, before we went to Melbourne. Gosh, so, yeah. is that was that because you you thought it was the hardest market to try and crack? Or um, well, there's two reasons. One is we actually struggled to get good people. We've, we've only ever employed hospitality from a um, a rep standpoint or from our BDMs, everyone that we've employed has worked in a restaurant, is a restaurant manager or restaurant previous restaurant owner. Yes. Um, and we're quite specific in that because they have to have an innate understanding, obviously, of how a venue works. And um, it's not just about the tech, it's about understanding what a venue wants to do and how they're going to manage it and then giving them recommendations that align with the software. So that's pretty much the mm-hmm. main reason behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was a combination of that and also... 
there's so many restaurants in Melbourne in such a short, small space. So yes. we wanted to make sure that when we came to market, we had some pretty significant names to, to throw around. Yeah. So yeah. That was the main reason. Well, you certainly do if you've got Movida yeah, and you've got Coda and Tonka. Do. I mean, they're three of my most favourite venues in Melbourne. So, um, yeah, me too. <laughs> why, why do you think sort of um, online booking for reservations has been mainly uh, pigeonholed into sort of premium uh, premium brands and, and, and fine food restaurants rather than you know, QSRs and, and those kind of those kind of brands. Do you think now that we've had COVID and we've had a change in how people are shopping restaurants that there will be a there will be a change to how people like to booking and that kind of thing? Uh, unquestionably. I mm. think though um, your typical QSRs like, you know, possibly the McDonald's and the Red Roosters and those kind of brands, they're yes. likely not going to be taking reservations yes. unless they change the structure of their operation. Mm. But, you know, places like Grilled, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a number sort of ones that cross over into that sort of cafe space, I think, or more restaurants. I think Nando's are the same. If you look at the Nando's in the UK particularly, mm. you know, they've all got bars. They're all licensed. Um, and I know that Australia are tending to go that way. So I, I imagine in the near future they will. I mean, our biggest competitor, to be honest with you, is pen and paper still. Yeah, right, um, really. Okay. Yeah, it really is. And I think there's been a huge shift in, uh, with, with COVID. It's been a massive change i mean i would think now 25 percent of the inquiries we get are from people that have never had a reservation platform before whereas wow. pre-covid it would have been five percent right okay it, it's it, it's not you know we would have to go and talk to people about our product prior to covid whereas now in, in that space you know for people who've never used a reservation system and there's a couple of reasons for it firstly i think uh, a lot of restaurants really struggle to manage that you can get 10 people in your venue tonight or you can get 20 people in your venue tonight. They really struggled with that and how they managed it. And, you know, someone had to be sitting on the phone for very little return. It made Mm. no sense. Yes. So I think that that was one of the primary reasons. Um, And consumers could not get in to places. And so the consumer behaviour changed for reservations as well. Our bookings have gone to 40,000 a week pre-COVID to 290,000 right now today. Wow. I mean, we've grown considerably. We've, we might have doubled in that period in yes. growth. Yep. But that's a, you know, eight-fold, seven-fold increase. And we haven't seen, we haven't obviously seen that. So it's it's all because we believe, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe it's because, you know, holy shit, I can't get into Mavita. Yes. Um, I'm going to have to book online. Mm. And that's the only way I'm going to get in. So that's what people are doing. That, yeah. that consumer behavior completely changed. Yeah, for sure. It's it's really interesting. I, I'm I'm I am questioning is now things are you know um, opening back up uh, across Australia to almost full capacity over the next couple of months, and you know I'm I'm uh, talk a lot with um, people in the US and that kind of stuff who are so challenged at the moment because they can't get anyone in their venues yeah. and that kind of stuff. Like I'm just I'm just thinking how is a consumer going to act in the next six to twelve months? Are they going to continue with like this COVID strategy, like this COVID safe strategy of like booking and using using to go out to you know a restaurant or a cafe or whatever as as, a, as more of a uh, prestigious event or not so every day. Like it, it's it's a really interesting kind of time to hypothesize about these kind of things if the yeah. industry is actually going to change. I think it's, it, you know? it has to. Be, I mean, people have to adopt tech. If, yes. if they're gonna if they're gonna have a um, 
you know, if they want to take some of the manual processes out of their business, not yes. just, I'm not just talking about online reservations, I'm talking about all kinds of tech. Mm. Um, but I, I honestly believe there's two different types of tech. There's the, the tech that's built by corporate entities and funded for shareholders to make money back 100%. that have no benefit to the venues. Mm. Um, and then there's more the self-funded kind of projects that are, that are possibly smaller scale, but definitely have some longevity in mind. Mm -hmm. um, they're not just looking for a payout in a year or two years. And I, and I think that eventually what's going to happen is people are going to, restaurants are going to have to, to catch on. I mean, it's not sustainable for something like a, a product like ours or um, a, a SaaS model, any service by subscription model. You look at anything in hospo where you're paying, you know, a couple of hundred bucks a month or mm. 250 a month for to, to use the platforms. Mm. And then, you know, for what you, it's going to take you in one month to, to call people on a phone or get someone to call people. I yeah. mean, how long is it going to take someone to call, I don't know, 5,000 guests yeah. in a month? I mean, it's, you know, it'd be considerable and it would be a lot more than what they're going to be paying for a piece of tech that automates it all. So, mm. you know, I don't want to be putting people out of, out of jobs, but I think what we're starting seeing is that there's, you know, people will adapt and, and adopt these different types of technology and they still are needing people, but they're using it for different things. And yeah, make totally agree. Another area, so. Yeah, I, I think it's a retooling and reskilling of our industry. And I think, um, mm. um, you know, the challenge around Australia at the moment is to is to actually um, have the right amount of staff to work in these venues. We've got, all of a sudden, we've got a staff shortage because 10% of our workforce, which was overseas, which not many people gave a nod to is all of a sudden gone. And now, you know, now we can't fill, especially things like chef positions. So yeah. I, I think it's an interesting time where a lot of these people who would have done these tasks, Craig, are going to um, like booking systems are going to, um, are going to be reskilled and hopefully retooled into, into, into different roles within the business. That's the only hope I have. Without question. And yeah. I, I think it's also a case of, um, you know, it's not just the, the efficiencies you gain. There's, there's some real, solid data around um you know using existing customers that have come to your venue and, and targeting those individuals as opposed to trying to discover new customers you know it's seven times more expensive to get new customers as it is to get existing 100%. and um you know with a with a reservation platform like ours where you completely own pr the proprietary data so every single customer that comes in there's this ability to to market to those audiences so you know we heard some shocking stories um in covid where some of our venues were very fortunate. They had all this data. They'd go out and say, hey, we're doing takeaway. We're doing these mm. you know, home deliveries. And then we had other venues that were trying to utilise their data that had no right to utilise it. They couldn't. They, they didn't own it. Um, and not yeah. just in reservation data I'm talking about. I'm talking about takeaway or any mm -hmm. any system that's, um, that is harvesting customer information. It's, um, you know, it's going to be a really big piece moving forward, I think. And knowing your customer, you know, that KYC approach and... Um, discovering who's coming in your demographics all that kind of information is going to be more pertinent to a venue success i believe in the future yeah most definitely I, w I want to get to that in a minute because i think that's a really important topic that we we need to talk about as an industry is a lot more um technology SaaS products are allowing i'll say allowing allowing um uh, allowing owners to really understand their customer data and actually have that data for maybe the first time um as they're not dealing with marketplaces but before that, I'd, I'd love to talk about the challenges that you had in the business during COVID. I mean, we're, we're dealing with, we just talked about capacities there across, you know, different states in Australia and changing all the time. And you're in Perth, which has had, you know, um, 
um, some very different measures in place compared to the rest of the country, but it's been opened up a hell of a lot quicker because it's done such a good job. Like, how have you as a business had to manage that across so many different states and, and policies changing on the run? Like, there must have been a yeah. massive change. It, it, it was scary at, at times, mate. obviously. It was scary. If you, you know, we were in the same position as every restaurateur out there. And yes. Through a large portion of this. I mean, I remember a couple of nights just being in the field position in the corner of a bedroom, just yeah, going, Jesus, I've put everything. I own, you know, we're a completely self-funded company. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I put everything on black and, um, and as a result of that, you know, it was, it was really concerning, but we, we took a different step, I think, in a different strategy again, that, and it was good because we got, what we did was our whole team united. Like we all knew that we were, we were in a position and everyone wanted to, to make sure that we continued to stay afloat so they could keep a job. And there was so much uncertainty everywhere, not just in our industry, but every bloody industry. Yes. So one thing we did was we had a, a group conference call with everyone on it and we just started to strategize about things we could do. And I think one of the things that came from it that was probably the best thing that we ever did was that we called at the time, I think we had about 2,200 or 2,300 on venues. We called every single venue. Mm. We spent two weeks, two and a half weeks, just calling everyone and seeing how they're going, you know, how are you doing? Where's your head at? You know, is there anything we can do to help? Yes. And from that, we heard really quickly that everyone was struggling to, to get onto takeaway. They were allowed to do takeaway, but couldn't do it. So we built a, a takeaway platform mm -hmm. in about four days, mm -hmm. um, not to compete with, you know, these massive global companies. It was yes. more out of necessity. Our businesses wanted to continue to, to operate. Um, and so we did that. We, we did that. We came up with some ideas where we were selling uh, one of our venues in, in Sydney was doing like 50 to 60,000 bucks a week, very small venue, just in, in food. Like they started up a food business where they're delivering food out. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was, that was really interesting. Mm. Um, but I think the, you know, the biggest thing that we struggled with was um, when restaurants started to come up and started to come back on board. You know, we mm. had so many additional resources that were necessary for our business yes. to support someone saying, hi, I need to change my venue so I only can seat 10 people yeah. to by two times that by 2,300 people, which we'd never had before. We had a customer support desk that was just being inundated. So wow. we ended up dividing our team. Um, so all the salespeople, we divided them up in, you know, 50% into sales mm -hmm. um, and the other 50% took it in terms of getting on the phone and literally yeah, right. just supporting people. Mm -hmm. So it, everyone was amazing. Like we've got an amazing team. We thought at one point we were going to have to put everyone on JobKeeper and send them home, but we kept everyone on and employed and on JobKeeper. Wow. Uh, and I think the whole, when the government announced that, the whole, it was like a weight lifted off, not just of our shoulders, but of a huge amount of restaurateurs. I yes. Mean, I think that saved a lot of businesses. So it was a pretty good decision from the government to, to implement that and mm. incredibly beneficial for the industry, I believe. Yes. Um, but, that you know, those struggles they're still going. I mean, you know, Melbourne came back online and they went through this, I need 10 people in it. Oh, next week I'm going to need 20. Can you, can you, can you help me change the settings? What's the best way to do it? We're still, we're still going through it. And I don't think it's ever going to, you know, in the near future, I don't think that's going to change. There's, I, I've got a belief and I might be wrong and probably going to be cursed by every person who's listing it out there. But I, you know, I don't think this is going anywhere in the near future. I think yep. we've probably got another six or seven months of this. Yeah. Um, I agree. where we might be sporadically closing down a, a state border or reducing the, the capacity that people 
could go to venues. Mm. I mean, we've seen what's happening in Adelaide. I can yes. see it yeah. happening elsewhere. I think it's just how we manage that. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I bet you're glad you um, hired only people from hospitality um, because they've yeah. known how to deal with a crisis. Um, yeah. You know, and know how to deal with something like this. So that was a that was a very smart move. I think you made back. You know, yeah, they did. And you know, it was really it was it was brilliant for me because we had, um, you know, I, I'm a big believer in we have this open communication policy where any of my team can call me at any time. But I probably talk mm. to my staff more during that time and period than any other time. Yeah, I bet. And um, and it was really rewarding because they were all, you know, took their hats off. Put their dirty gloves on, just got in and got down yeah, and dirty, got and, and I was really proud of everyone. Like, yeah. uh, we've got a really strong team, which we're yeah. really fortunate of. Um, just going back to what I said before, like, um, it's it's good to see a lot of the SaaS products, um, like yourself, who are who are allowing um, owners to have their own, you know, their own customer data and that kind of stuff. Mm. Where we have certainly haven't seen that in like the delivery space, for example. Um, yeah. What do you think? What do you think business owners should actually do? Now, with all this, with all this, you know, this data pool of like information of, of, of clients and how they've spent and at least their email address and the numbers and all this kind of stuff, like there's so much power there. But I feel like the next stage is I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do with all that information. Like and you oh, get, man, you're getting that yeah. from other platforms as well, right? Like, like what are you guys, you know, at the point where you're sort of advising people what to do or connecting them up with, you know, marketing people to understand, you know, how yeah, to use that data? Yeah, we are. We've got some great relationships with a couple of different marketing platforms. Mm. Um, you know, my guest list, the guys you had on the other day. Yes. Um, yep. You know, they're, they're played an integral part in the, in the hospital industry and have particularly during COVID as well. Yes. Um, so the integration we have with them obviously dumps data into their, their uh, the database. Yes. And then allows them to do the marketing. And, and the beauty of that particular product is it can be self-managed or you can have someone doing it for you at a slightly larger cost. If you've got no bloody idea what you're doing, <laughs> you can get someone to help you out and get it sorted. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it, we're taking it a, a step further and we, we actually haven't gone to market with it yet. We built something 18 months ago that's we were hoping to have pre-Christmas, but it's going to be a Christmas present or New Year's Eve present for all of our venues next year. Mm-hmm. Um, we've just completed and it's a, a business intelligence tool and we think we're going to be the first reservation system to offer a business intelligence tool. So it plugs into POS. So we've integrated with a number of different POS platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result of that, what's going to happen is you're going to be able to see that um, oh, Sean came in tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he spent X amount of money. He loves Louis Estate Chardonnay. He eats crayfish. Um, and probably more importantly, not just around the consumer and getting to know your customer. I mean, there's a lot of data in there that you'll be able to see, but you'll be able to see as a manager the top five customers that are coming in every night yes. by spend, the top five by visitation. Mm. Um, you'll be able to click on them and see what they drink, but I think we've taken it to another level where a manager would be able to, through a series of different graphs and, and, and information, get siloed into the system. So this dashboard basically shows you Okay, I've got a table, two tables of two over there and I've got a table of four sitting in the bar and two mm-hmm. twos. Mm-hmm. It's a Wednesday night, it's 7.30, at 7.30 on a Wednesday night and I'm going to make more money if I see two twos or a four and the system would tell you yeah. based on your historical data. Very smart. So they're going to be able to make decisions to increase the revenue of a venue by things that they would never ever have had mm. at their fingertips before. Um, so there's a lot of information about that, about how long people are sitting in the venue. You know, if I get people to stay an extra 15 minutes, it looks like I'm going to get them to spend an extra 25 bucks. So yeah. let's try to extend that experience out. Let's 
get a little palate cleanser in there so that they can, you know, d- d- delay the, the courses a little bit so we can get them to stay a little bit longer to increase that spend per head. And I think that kind of data is going to be incredibly valuable. Yeah, I agree. We can tie that in to things like these marketing platforms where mm. I can say, I want to send an email to all the people that ate steak or all the people that drank Chardonnay, all the people that spent over 150 bucks for my Luna Estate and crayfish dinner. You yes. know, that, those kind of things mm-hmm. are going to be very impactful, I believe. Mm. So that's sort of where we're, where we're heading. And I think a lot more, um, if you own the data and you have access to that information, you can make a lot bigger or you've got the opportunity to make bigger and broader decisions. You don't have that opportunity if you don't own it. Um, you, yeah. you might be fed information, but you're not going to have the ability to, to target those audiences. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think over the next twelve months is like obviously amazing platforms like yours. Um, you know, build out and offer more and more things. I keep thinking that the hospitality managers, the leaders in our industry, will have to broaden out their knowledge to these kind of platforms and how they work and how they can best catap- capitalize on it, because there's so much coming at them that needs to make you know to to make these venues more competitive and better and that kind of stuff. But yeah. I, I hate we get to a point where it's just um, there's so much information they just don't know what to do with it because the, yeah, there's no, so many it. tools that are I there, think what you know? we've tried to do, Sean, is just mm. decipher that. Like we've yes. just put up a dashboard that they can look at and go, oh, shit, I should do this. Yes. Um, because we know that that's exactly what's happened in the past. I mean, I remember just being given as a manager an Excel spreadsheet with a shit ton of data on it mm. um, and said, here, you know, go make some decisions. And you're yes. sort of sitting there going, Christ, you know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, trying to work through it, and this is just unsustainable. It's not possible right now. There's the ability to get all this data on your fingertips, mm. and I think if it's clean, um, you know, it's easy to use information. Yes. Then I, I think it's pretty easy to decipher. Yes, and, and you know, we, even with our platform, we've got people that our system's relatively intuitive. We get a lot of comments about that, but I think even using any kind of tech at the moment there's different individuals that want to use every aspect of every single feature. And yeah. then there's the people that just, I just want to get bookings and, 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 and run my business. Really yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. So there's really different chalk, chalk and cheese from mm. one end to the other. There's a huge disparity between the mum and pa owner and the, you know, the conglomerate of enterprise sort of level. Yeah. Customer that we have. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, do you think, what are the couple of the challenges do you think, um, with moving to a you know a booking system like like yours, like a tech product like yours, if if they're coming from a standing start and they haven't had a you know haven't had a booking system before, like yeah. what are a couple of challenges around it, Craig? Change. <laughs> people people <laughs> hate change. Yes. I mean, you know, you've got in a lot of businesses, particularly that some of the older school restaurateurs that we work with, you know, they've been incredibly successful. They've had a business for a long time. They've done it a specific way. Yeah. Um, they've got managers in their venue who who are seasoned veterans, you know, champions of the industry. Unbelievable. Um, and then you say to them, "Hey, mate, instead of just jotting that guy's name down on a bit of paper, can you can you just type it into that box over there, that thing called a computer?" You know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, what? You know, they double twitch. Yes. So I think change is probably and and the ability. I think nowadays the younger generation because there's so much change in yes. life generally, yes. not because of COVID, but you know, mm. in, with technology and um, they're constantly changing, but their lifestyles are changing constantly. So they adapt to that a lot quicker than the older generation. And I think the older generation struggle to adapt. 
Yes. Um, yeah, I agree. Some of that technology. I think they're getting better at it. Mm. So our challenge is making sure that they're trained efficiently. We go to the venue, virtually every venue we go to, and, and set them up. Yes. And sit there with them and go, this is what you do. Now, you've got 20 bookings in that book. Let's put them in with you. Let's see what you do. Well, you know, that guy, are you sure you want to sit on that table? I know that you'd normally do that, but this is the ramifications because you've got a table joint. You know, you just go through those basic principles with them. Mm. And we've got a pretty good support network. We follow up with people after they're onboarded. Um, so, but the, but the biggest challenge would be change, I think, adapt, you know, adapting to change and, and saying, yes, you know what, I'm actually really for this as opposed to, yeah, all right, we'll do it, and then, but not really wanting to, to do it and still writing down on a bit of paper every once in a while. Yeah. That kind of stuff, I think, is, is difficult. Um, yes. Really, aside from that, um, you know, you mentioned it earlier. I think that, you know, there's a lot of people still out there. You know, I've, I've always said this with restaurant people, and I was one of them. You know, I didn't have all the acumen that was needed to open up a restaurant. Yeah. And in my opinion, in the world, there's usually three acumen that you need to open up a venue, and it's, and you need, you need at least one, right? Yes. You need to have some kind of marketing ability. You need to have um, some some front of house or, or back of house experience. Mm-hmm. Being in hospitality, at least you have to be hospitable at, at the very least. Absolutely, um, yes. <laughs> um, but, the, but the last thing and probably the thing that people miss the most is the is the business acumen, and that's mm. definitely the thing that I didn't have when I opened up a venue at 24. Yes. Um, but often these people, and I find that the most successful people have at least two of those acumen. Mm. You know, you know, mum and dad ownership or the ma and pa ownership of a venue but typically most people will have one yes. and not many people nowadays have marketing mm. and i think with you know the social aspects the ability to retarget customers the ability to track things on google um you know just from google analytics just seeing how people are coming into your website what they're clicking on what yes. you should be pushing in front of them yes um engineering menus you know all that kind of information it's a business and it's, and, and I think people, I, I can tell you right now, for me, I didn't think of it that much as a business when I was young and stupid and, and 24. Yes. I, um, I was going in because I was passionate about the industry and I loved it. And I think sometimes that passion gets in the way of your business. Yes. And, and I really think that people have to, um, to, to sometimes step away from it, take their blinkers off, just get someone in to, to help manage the business for, for a month or something so they can sit back and go, Holy shit! You know what? If I did this and I mm. and I talked to that guy about some marketing and yes. did some social and retargeted some people on Facebook, I might actually start getting an ROI. Yes, so. yes, might not just be here just for fun. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I, I think the thing that COVID's done is that is obviously we all knew um, that the hospitality industry was so far behind in tech. Like it was, it was yeah. the one thing that was just not there. And to go go back to your analogy about. Uh, Huawei taking over, you know, Africa and India, like most of the reason was because they, they almost leapfrogged because they didn't have a lot of landlines. So they leapfrogged to mobile and all of a sudden mobile is king and that's why the take-up is so high. I think I yeah. think potentially we're going to have the same thing in hospitality tech is the fact that we've been bad at it for so long and, and all of a sudden COVID has made us shake up as an industry and figure out what the hell we're going to do moving forward and, and all of yeah. a sudden we're going to have really tech-orientated inspired businesses which can be still you know still deliver a great customer experience like you're not you're not stopping restaurateurs ringing up customers and saying thanks so much for coming in last night i really enjoyed it even though they're now booking online rather than ringing ringing the venue like you yeah, can still exactly do right. both you know exactly right i mean you know there's other things that we do that to actually enhance that you know mm-hmm. we try to we try to direct customers to um 
that have come into the venue, we encourage the venues. We have a thank you email that goes out. We actually direct awesome. the, the customers back to this via this um, thank you email mm-hmm. to Google because you know Google came out about two years ago and said pretty much we're going to be the number one uh, search facility and discovery platform for everything. If you're a hairdresser yes. and you type in, I want to get my hair cut in Glen Waverley, mm. it's going to bring up the top three hairdressers by people that have rated it using Google reviews. Yes. So we direct everyone back to Google reviews. Mm. Um, and we have venues now that are at the top. If you type in best steakhouse in restaurant, mm-hmm. pretty much guaranteed that the top three venues are using us. Yes. Um, in Melbourne, like if you said top best steak restaurants in Melbourne. And that's yes. because they're being, you know, the message might say something like, hey, you know, thanks for dining with us the other day. Um, you know, if you had a good experience, click this button and it goes mm-hmm. to Google reviews. But if you didn't, we want to hear about it. Sure. Email me directly at such and such. It's giving the ability of people mm. to engage those reviews. But there's still people that do it the old school way, like you said, and jump on the phone. Yes. And I love that. I mean, if I got a call from a restaurant owner, and they said, oh, mate, I just want to say thanks for coming in last night. I hope you really enjoyed it. You know, what do you think of the spaghetti alamara or whatever you had? Mm. You'd be blown away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is, there is nothing, there is nobody, very few people doing that in yes. market. And yes, I agree. Those, while that would be incredibly time-consuming, that mm. would be a huge, huge, something that people would talk about anyway. I think you'd generate a lot of word of mouth about something like that happening. I'll give you I'll give you a real life experience. So I had that I had that happen with um with Nathan Tolman who owns Hazel and DeZeus and, and a couple of other venues in Victoria. Wow. And I had um um booked. Sorry, I don't I'm not sure if they use your platform. Um and <laughs> and he sent me a text um because I, I know him as well, but but um I've only started to know him after this. And he sent me a text yeah. that goes, I really hope you enjoy your meal tonight. Let me know what you think of it afterwards. Um, to which I did, and it was yeah. exceptional, and yeah. that started a communication between the two of us now. Yeah. Like, and that that is next level. That is that, is, that yeah. is super care factor. But if you're if you're playing, you know, hospitality is going to be um, as competitive, if not more competitive, in the next in yeah. the next twelve months. Um, so you know, you have to do things which are hospitable. Going back to what you said before. For a hospitality industry that really needs to really needs to think about how it treats its customers even better moving forward, and I think I think that's going to be the positive that comes out of this. Yeah. Yeah, without question. I mean, there's an expectation when you go to a restaurant that you're going to have great food and great great service. Yes. And that's not good enough anymore. You no. need to have mm. great food and excellent service, or excellent food and excellent service. You know, you need yes. to you need to go beyond and above if you're going to continue to have that organic word of mouth being. Yeah being established yeah sure and that's what I, that's what i love about platforms like like yours craig like it starts that communication and and it, yeah. you know it, it it starts that uh connection with a customer and it's up to them to to make sure they fulfill that promise so really really cool i have one final question for you as i've been asking every guest um the last <laughs> couple of months is what is your most excited what are the thing you're most excited about moving into 2021 craig joel Oh, moving into 2021. Um, well, you know, I, this is probably a pretty piss poor one, but I, I would say there's a couple. But I, I think I, I actually, it's not that I want to travel because I've realized I've traveled a lot yes. in the last 20 years mm. for business mm-hmm. and realized that I've missed out a lot of my kids' lives because I've been mm. now home for nine months and um, I've never been home nine months with my kids in 20 years. So wow. uh, yeah, or right. with, my, with any, anyone, anyone, yes. 
Yeah. Yes. So, you know, it's, that's been incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so whilst I'm going to, I'm going to miss them when I get on a plane again, I've got some incredible people that are working for me. Yes. Some that I've never met. Mm. Um, and others that have been here with me through this journey that I just want to give a big bloody hug and a kiss on the cheek to. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, the, that that's what I'm probably looking forward to is to catching up with my team and yeah. and just embracing them and going, you know what, we, we fucking got through this. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah, that, That's probably one of the biggest things for me. Mm-hmm. Um, on a personal note, I think... Um, you know, as I mentioned before, I lived in lived in Italy for a few years. Yes. Um, and I actually, I, I don't know if I had it or not, but I got very bloody sick in January of this year. Oh, no. In, Italy, in the ski resort. Oh, really? I was at, very, I've never been that sick in my life. Could not get up and bloody walk to the toilet. I was wow. barely breathing. It was brutal. So, I, you know, don't know if I've had it or not, but yes. um, the village that I was at was heavily impacted, but I'd love to just go back there and, and give them a hug as well. You know, my, that, they're like my second family. Mm. Those people, they, you know, we've had it tough in Melbourne. It was it was particularly tough in Melbourne and a lot of my Melbourne friends, you know, getting on the phone and having a chat to them during this period was, you know, it was really disheartening. But, you know, they went through, they had this unbelievable wave come through and they were completely not prepared like most Italian mm. um, cities, you know, just in, in anything that, that surprises them. Yes. Um, but, I, you know, I just want to give them a big hug as well. I can't wait to get back to, to Europe and, and have a visitation with them, go and see them on a personal note. That's probably what I'm looking forward to. If I can, I don't know if I'm going to be able to. I don't know that anyone's going to be able to. <laughs> might need a jab to do that. But <laughs> exactly. We'll see. Well, fingers crossed it's, uh, it's very, very soon, Craig. Um, yeah. What what's the best way that people can find out about um about now book it if I can say that correctly and um and make sure they can connect with you mate? Yeah, I think um probably just go to our website. There's quite a bit of information on there nowbookit.com. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go to any of the Hospo Facebook pages, mm-hmm. we've organically got a lot of amazing comments there. So very grateful to the to the current existing clients that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would just ring another restaurateur and ask them what their experiences are with either us or other platforms. And yes. um, we're very confident in, our, in what we what we deliver in our product. We think we're very reasonably priced and we'd love to work with more restaurants. So if you're out there and you're looking for something, definitely give us a buzz. Beautiful. And as always, the website is linked up in the show notes. So thank you so much, Craig. I really appreciate your time. Good on you, Sean. Thanks, buddy. It's been awesome.